Welcome to Curious Not Furious. I'm Louise Brooks, parenting coach and family advisor, and a mom of two. I support parents to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids through one to one sessions, online courses, and workshops. And here, where I take on the hard questions and offer actionable strategies and inspiration that can help you in your parenting. Hi, and welcome back. I am very excited about today's topic, and I've been wanting to bring this for quite a while because in some ways it's a really small, tiny tip, shift, idea, if you want, but it's one that has the potential to really transform the way we show up with our kids and the way we interact with them when things are a little bit heated. I'm talking about picking your battles. It's something that I know as parents you would have heard many times before. I think it's even advice that we tend to be given by other parents who've been through the mill and are looking in maybe on where we are in our parenting. It, it tends to be something grandparents say or people who don't have little kids anymore who will say, do you know what, just pick your battles. It's It feels like a bit of a wise piece of advice that we have more access to and can better see the you know how profound is um, a little bit later on in life it could be a little bit more challenging maybe to to remember and to honor the truth inherent in that when we are standing face to face maybe with a child who is just triggering us feels very confronting feels like is being disrespectful to us so today's topic is about picking your battles and that's because not all behaviors need responding to. That is, of course, if we wish to keep our sanity intact and remain strongly connected to our child. And I know you listening in here, that's one of your primary goals. You're not listening to this if you're not actively engaged in parenting. Then a podcast on parenting will just not be on your radar. You're listening because you're looking for ways, I'm sure, where you can feel more connected, where you can feel like you are doing right by your child, but also right by you, that there is no one person who is more important than the other in relationship. If you've listened to any of my previous podcast episodes, you will have heard me say that it's useful to think of all feelings as being welcome, but not all behaviors being welcome. That's like a, one of the sort of core tenets of what my parenting practice is really about. But what I'm going to bring to you today is in some ways maybe going to feel like, hmm, how does that sit alongside what you've said in the past? But I'm sure you can appreciate that there are things that lean into for the sake of sort of having a broad framework. But the more in depth we go, the more specific we get, there are obviously so many more nuances that we do well to embrace. And if for no other reason, then at least to honor the fact that when it comes to parenting and when it comes to the relationship between a parent and a child, what we must seek to never do, in my opinion, is to fall asleep and to think that we have found the holy grail, that we know all the tips and tricks and the strategies so that we can get what we want from our kids. We need to be open to the fact that things change, 
that our child shows up differently every day, that we do, and that there is never a one-size-fits-all, but that there are so many nuances, which is why it can be so difficult to parent sometimes. So today's episode is going to be about uh, something that feels more of an art, maybe even, than it does a, a constantly applicable trick. This is There's no exact science in when to pick your battle, what I'm trying to say is this is something we do when we can feel that the situation needs it. Feelings wash over our kids, just like they do us sometimes. And they can be big and overwhelming and look like our child has forgotten what the rules are, that their manners have gone out the window, that they've forgotten what's okay and not okay. But the fact is, Children do know from a very young age what they're supposed to do and not do. They actually learn the right-wrong script very early on in development. It's not a case of not knowing. They know not to snatch. But when their sibling isn't listening to their boundary and they have tried repeatedly, they get angry and they can't contain themselves anymore and they snatch. And they know not to be rude to us. But in their frustration, they back chat or roll their eyes or dismiss us and so the the issue is rarely one of not knowing the script rather it's an issue of not being able to express oneself more sophisticated like you would if you were a mature adult and the other issue is that they have are still learning how to be with emotions emotionally regulate and you know what Many of us parents, one of our, many of us adults are still struggling with that. We're not very often very good role models in how to do that for them. And I'm not saying that as a critique or as a way to put us down. I'm saying it as a way to access some empathy for that. Crucially, empathy is not the same as letting our child off the hook and not wanting to change a certain behavior and condoning a behavior. But acceptance is key if we're going to respond to this in a place that's going to be actually fruitful. If we are triggered and if we come at it from a place of non-acceptance, we're going to end up reacting and doing and saying things that we are most likely later going to regret. So knowing that picking our battles is not an exact science, there's no formula I could give you that makes you 100% aware of when that's a good idea, I want to talk about two situations that might lead you to want to choose your battles. The first one is one that I know many of you can relate to, which is seeing a conflict brewing, seeing a confrontation happening, and you're up against time. You're up against either time and a deadline, or you're up against a feeling of just not having it in you right now. You just don't have the resources to deal with potentially standing up to your child in that very situation. And in those situations, it could be a really, really good idea to have a good checking in practice and asking ourselves, do you know, am I, am I able to follow through with this no, for instance, right now? Am I, do I have the resources? Is this a day? Is this a time where I will most likely not show up in a, in a very good way, in a way that I can be proud of? Or is my child's state in a receptive way? And what I mean by that is, is my child 
overtired? Is my child hurt or hungry? And therefore not in a headspace to be able to take on board or deal very well, manage their own emotions. If I were to teach a lesson right now or pull them up on their behavior. Whenever I explore this with my clients, I can almost virtually see their shoulders drop. It feels like permission to many people to be told that it's okay to have the green card, to not necessarily seek to teach lessons and say no in every single situation just because it might technically be the right thing to do. And it's odd, isn't it, that we feel like we need that permission from outside. But I think if I were to share my feelings about where this comes from, I think it stems from an old parenting paradigm that we've grown, we grew up in ourselves, where it was very important that parents were always seen to be right and that they sought to always look like they had the final say and that we weren't to be inconsistent or to change our minds. And I think there's a wonderful freedom in knowing that we're also just human beings and that we don't make rules more important than actual relationships. And so if there's anything that we can lean into a little bit more, I think it's wise to lean into things that allow for us to have a little bit more wriggle room as parents, as opposed to setting the bar so high that we actually end up failing and having a lot more conflicts on our hand very often. So what this could look like, because there is a process to it if we deliberately decide to choose our battle, there is a process to it that means that we are going to still appear to be in charge, to not be seen by our child to fear their emotions or feel emotionally held hostage by them, we might want to make it clear to them that we are deliberate in our behavior, that it's not something that we are doing because we're trying to avoid something. And I'm going to say here in parentheses, even if we are. The minute children can sense that we're trying to avoid setting our boundaries because we are fearing their reactions, because we don't have it in us to deal with their reactions, it starts actually feeling unsafe for our children. It might, in our minds, sometimes feel like, yeah, they would love that, right? (laughs) They would rule the roost. But truth is, children don't want to rule the roost. It's deeply unsettling to a child to be ruling the roost. They thrive on us being in charge and having the leadership. So our job is to still conceal the fact that we're trying to actually avoid something because we want to be seen to be in charge. And the way we can do that in a gentle way is to empathize with what we see going on. So for instance, you might be aware that your child is very tired, had a long day at school, they've been to an after-school club, They're now asking for something that you don't generally say yes to. You don't have a hard and fast rule about it, but you can just tell that you prefer for them not to have an evening snack, say. Your child has been constantly teetering on the the edge of a meltdown all afternoon, and you've sort of managed to put your young one down, and now your eldest is starting to ask for, for something to eat before going to bed. You're tired too. 
you don't really feel like doing any of that, but also you don't really feel like a big tantrum, a a big meltdown and a big reaction to your no. So rather than going down the route of saying, do you know what, in this house, we don't have evening snacks, you know that, I'm not going to do it, and put your foot down, if you've checked in with yourself, and if you have a little bit of awareness of how what you have in you that day, you might actually decide that it's a good enough idea to go and make your child a snack. But rather than saying, well, okay then, and then that's it, and give it to them with a half-hearted yes, instead, you might want to quickly add there, do you know, I can tell you're so tired right now. And you're a bit peckish right now. Yeah, I'll go down and make you a snack. If you know that the answer is going to be yes anyway, you may as well just do that. But now you're seen to have chosen to do this. There's a crucial difference rather than having been pressured to do it. So the sooner you can demonstrate that you're choosing to do it as opposed to feeling pressured to doing it, the more your leadership will remain intact and the more you'll come across as safe company to your child. So this is one situation where you might want to ask yourself, do I need to pick my battles? And just knowing that it's okay, that you don't need to be seen to never change your mind or to uh, be flexible around things. It's okay. It's okay to read a situation. It's okay to check in with yourself. And it's also okay to factor in what your child is capable of that day. Saying that, and this is a little caveat, it's always wise to remember that if we rely on this as a strategy for every time our child is asking for something and we decide, oh, do you know what? I don't have it in me. I'm going to put that one. I'm just going to let that one slide or I'm just going to say yes, even though there's a resounding no inside of me. We're not doing our child a service. We're not doing our relationship a service either because those moments don't go away they keep presenting themselves and I think it's a useful image to to think of it as something that goes into storage the tension the potential meltdown goes into storage and it comes out in other situations instead it's a very interesting fact about children's emotional systems is that they need to have an opportunity to bump into edges in order for them to have an opportunity to reset their emotional system. That's what boundaries do to them. Bumping up against a boundary, a healthy boundary, a boundary that makes sense, gives a child an opportunity to emote, gives them an opportunity to come up against frustration and to cry. When a child is crying, they're essentially processing the hurt. They're processing the grief of not being able to have what they want to have and that's exactly how life should be you've done nothing wrong when that happens and your child is doing exactly what your child is wired to do which is the grief what they can't have and for every one of those opportunities to come up against reality in that way our child grows emotional resilience something that i know we are so desperate to have for our kids especially as they mature and venture into life later on where those skills are going to be very important and where life doesn't bend to their wishes all the time. So those of us who don't learn that early on in life, in the loving care of a mom and dad who can kind of see this for what it is, are, we're going to have some really tough times getting to grips with the reality of the world later on in life. 
So know that whatever you decide to put to one side for now because you don't have the capacity, you most likely need to remember that every time you do that, it goes into storage and there will be waiting for you. These conflicts will be waiting for you. And think of it as your child needing to have these opportunities because this is what helps them mature, grow emotionally resilient, but also to reset their emotional system. Okay, I said I was going to mention two situations where picking your battles might make good sense. The second and final thing I want to say is we do well to pick our battles when standing face to face with our child who is upset at the yes that we did decide to give them. So in this particular instance, you have said no. You have allowed your child to come up against the frustration of not being able to get another ice cream or the frustration of not letting them get away with not doing their homework and be longer on their Xbox or pull them in from the garden. And they are mad. They think we are annoying. They think that it's unfair. They think that we always spoil the fun for us or for them. In those situations, there are, as I explored in my previous podcast episode and you might want to go back and listen to that one if this has interest for you but we explored in that episode that it's absolutely okay to have any feeling in the world but it's not okay necessarily to have any behavior you choose to have so just because we say yes to the feeling doesn't mean that we need to say yes to the behavior and this is where this can sound a little bit like I'm contradicting myself but stay with me when we say no to certain behaviors that accompany a difficult emotion. We ought to first and foremost do that with when the behavior is a threat to us or to themselves or to property. That's a really good sort of first instance where we would try and contain our child and keep the situation safe, even though they're having a tough experience. But where it gets a little bit more nuanced is when we start asking them and demanding of them to also not roll their eyes and to also not go, ugh, or to say, you are so unfair, or you always say no, or whatever it might be. If we also ask them to stop saying those things when they're in the grip of an emotion, we might make their emotional system so pressurized that they can barely express themselves. What I mean is we do well to allow a little margin for expression that has to do with a physical or verbal nature. And this might be that our child really feels like stomping past us. Did stomping ever kill you? No. Is it a threat to anyone? No. Okay. If our child rolls their eyes, is that really a big deal breaker if you really think about it if you put your own parents judgment of what that was like in your childhood aside and you ask yourself can I live with that my best guess is that most of us would say yes especially if we just stand firm in our boundary the main thing is that we are still following through with what we said was going to happen so I look at it this way that then I can afford to let my child have feelings about it that have certain little things that accompany them in terms of behaviors behaviors that I would rather they don't have but that I allow my child because if I put my foot down around those feelings as well 
I enter into completely new territory where we now escalate the conflict. So a very good place and another wise place to really pick your battles is in creating a little bit more margin for expression when you have set your boundaries and when you intend to follow through on them. This is not work that will look the same for all of us. I know in some families and maybe also very culturally determined, there will be different ideas around what's acceptable and what isn't. So I come from Denmark, as you've probably gathered by now, and in Denmark there is a lot less uh, formality in the way we speak to each other. Um, um, and what I mean by that is that there isn't so much politeness. In, most people fall off their chair when I say that we actually swear a lot more. We even swear in front of our teachers. We call our teachers by the first name. And there's a whole other conversation to be had. But there is a lot more verbal freedom in many Scandinavian cultures, for instance, that I am willing to accept from my kids. It doesn't mean necessarily that my husband is willing to accept that from them. So we, our boundaries might differ, but what's important is that we ask ourselves, when I take issue with this, is this just a learnt issue? Is this an issue I've been taught I need to have an issue with? Or is it really an issue? And also, am I trying to stop this behavior in my child because I fear that they're going to go out and do that elsewhere in the world? My experience is that most of our kids are incredibly competent at knowing what belongs in the realm of the home and what belongs uh, and, and how we conduct ourselves, for instance, at school or with elders or with grandparents or friends, that, that these things don't necessarily spill into each other, that we need not fear that our kids are rude, going to be rude to everyone just because they roll their eye at us for something like that. So those are the two situations where I think we could use as guidance for when we want to decide whether to pick our battles. As I started out by saying, this is not an exact science. I cannot give you a script. I wish I could for when precisely this is a good idea. But I know that you listening to this, you will be able to make your own references, draw references into your own life about where this comes up for you. And hopefully this has added a little bit more nuance and given you some new perspectives on where this could apply in your life. And I would always love to hear how you find these tips and whether what I'm saying is resonating. And you can find me, as always, over on my Instagram page. You can write me, mail at louise-brooks.com. And Wherever else you find me out there in the social media world, I would absolutely love to hear from you. And also, I want to say in conclusion that I would love if you start asking me questions or telling me what's going on in your life that you would like me to shed some light on in this podcast. I'm very open to that. So until we meet next week, as always, if life gets a bit challenging, if you are standing face to face with your child and there's difficult behaviors and you're finding yourself feeling triggered, try getting curious, not furious. And if you do get furious, always get curious after. Have a wonderful week, guys. Take care. <laughs>